0: Chapter 25 of the adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain this LibriVox recording is in the public domain Chapter 25 is it them? singing the doxologer awful square funeral orgies a bad investment the news was all over town in two minutes and you could see the people tearing down on the run from every which way some of them putting on their coats as they come pretty soon we was in the middle of a crowd and the noise of the tramping was like a soldier march the windows and door-yards was full and every minute somebody would say over a fence is it them and somebody trotting along with the gang would answer back and say you bet it is when we got to the house, the street in front of it was packed, and the three girls was standing in the door. Mary Jane was red-headed, but that don't make no difference. She was most awful beautiful, and her face and her eyes was all lit up like glory. She was so glad her uncle's was come. The king, he spread his arms, and Mary Jane, she jumped for them, and the Hare lip jumped for the duke, and there they had it. Everybody most leastways women cried for joy to see them meet again at last and have such good times. Then the king he hunched the duke private. I see him do it. And then he looked around and see the coffin over in the corner on two chairs. So then him and the duke with a hand across each other's shoulder and t'other hand to their eyes walked slow and solemn over there. Everybody dropping back to give them room and all the talk and noise stopping people saying shh and all the men taking their hats off and drooping their heads so you could a heard a pinfall and when they got there they bent over and looked in the coffin and took one sight and then they bust out a-crying so you could a heard them in orleans most and then they put their arms around each other's necks and hung their chins over each other's shoulders and then for three minutes, or maybe four, I never see two men leak the way they done. And mind you, everybody was doing the same, and the place was that damp, I never see anything like it. Then one of them got on one side of the coffin, and t'other on t'other side, and they kneeled down and rested their foreheads on the coffin, and let on to pray all to themselves. Well, when it come to that it worked the crowd like you never see anything like it And everybody broke down and went to sobbing right out loud The poor girls too And every woman nearly went up to the girls without saying a word and kissed them Solemn on the forehead And then put their hand on their head and looked up towards the sky With tears running down And then busted out and went off sobbing and swabbing And give the next woman a show i never see anything so disgusting i never see anything so disgusting well by and by the king he gets up and comes forward a little and works himself up and slobbers out a speech all full of tears and flapdoodle about its being a sore trial for him and his poor brother to lose the deceased and to miss seeing deceased alive after the long journey of four thousand mile. But it's a trial that's sweetened and sanctified to us by this dear sympathy and these holy tears And so he thanks them out of his heart and out of his brother's heart Because out of their mouths they can't words being too weak and cold And all that kind of rot and slush till it was just sickening And he blubbers out a pious goody-goody amen and turns himself loose And goes to crying fit to bust and the minute the words were out of his mouth somebody over in the crowd struck up the doxolager and everybody joined in with all their might and it just warmed you up and made you feel as good as church lettin out music is a good thing and after all that soul butter and hogwash i never see it freshen up things so and sound so honest and bully then the king begins to work his jaw again and says how him and his nieces would be glad if a few of the main principal friends of the family would take supper here with them this evening and help set up with the ashes of the deceased. And says if his poor brother lying yonder could speak, he knows who he would name for they was names that was very dear to him and mentioned often in his letters. And so he will name the same to wit as follows viz Reverend Mr. Hobson and Deacon Lot Hovey and Mr. Ben Rucker, and Abner Shackleforth, and Levi Bell, and Dr. Robinson, and their wives, and the widow Bartley. Reverend Hobson and Dr. Robinson was down to the end of the town, a-hunting together. That is, I mean, the doctor was shipping a sick man to t'other world, and the preacher was pintin' him right. Lawyer Bell was away up in Louisville on business, but the rest was on hand, and so they all come and shook hands with the king, and thanked him and talked to him, and then they shook hands with the duke and didn't say nothing, but just kept a smiling and bobbing their heads like a passel of sap heads, whilst he made all sorts of signs with his hands and said, Goo goo, goo goo goo, all the time, like a baby that can't talk. So the king he blathered along and managed to inquire about pretty much everybody and dog in town by his name and mentioned all sorts of little things that happened one time or another in the town, or to George's family, or to Peter. And he always let on that Peter wrote him the things. But that was a lie. He got every blessed one of them out of that young flathead that we canoed up to the steamboat. Then Mary Jane, she fetched the letter her father left behind, and the king, he read it aloud and cried over it, it gave the dwelling house and three thousand dollars gold to the girls and it gave the tan yard Which was doing a good business along with some other houses and land worth about seven thousand and three thousand dollars in gold To Harvey and William and told where the six thousand cash was hid down cellar. So these two frauds said they'd go and fetch it up and have everything square and above board and told me to come with the candle we shut the cellar door behind us and when they found the bag they spilt it out on the floor and it was a lovely sight all them yaller boys my the way the king's eyes did shine he slaps the duke on the shoulder and says oh ain't this bully or nor nothing no oh, no i reckon not why bully it beats the nun don't it the duke allowed it did they pawed the yaller boys and sifted them through their fingers and let them jingle down on the floor and the king says It ain't no use talking Bein brothers to a rich dead man and representatives of fern heirs That's got left in the line for you and me bilge this year comes a trust into Providence It's the best way in the long run. I've tried em all and there ain't no better way most everybody would have been satisfied with the pile and took it on trust. But no, they must count it. So they counts it and it comes out $415 short. Says the king. Darn him, I wonder what he done with that $415. They worried over that a while and ransacked all around for it. Then the duke says, Well, he was a pretty sick man and likely he made a mistake. I reckon that's the way of it. The best ways to let it go and keep still about it we can spare it. Oh Shucks, yes, we can spare it. I don't care nothing about that It's the count I'm thinking about We want to be awful square and open and above board here, you know We want to lug this here money upstairs and count it before everybody Then there ain't nothing suspicious but when the dead man says they're six thousand dollars you know we don't want to hold on says the duke let's make up the deficit and he began to haul out yaller boys out of his pocket it's a most amazing good idea duke you have got a rattling clever head on you says the king blessed if the old nonsuch ain't a helping us out again and he begun to haul out yeller jackets and stack them up It most busted them, but they made up the six thousand clean and clear Say says the Duke. I got another idea Let's go upstairs and count this money and then take and give it to the girls Good land Duke. Let me hug you it's the most dazzling idea I'd ever man-struck. You have certainly got the most astonishing hit I ever see. Oh, this is the boss, Dodge. There ain't no mistake about it. Let them fetch along their suspicions now, if they want to. This'll lay them out. When we got upstairs, everybody gathered around the table, and the king, he counted it and stacked it up. Three hundred dollars in a pile. Twenty elegant little piles. Everybody looked hungry at it and licked their chops Then they raked it into the bag again, and I see the king begin to swell himself up for another speech. He says Friends all my poor brother that lays yonder has done generous by them that's left behind in the Vale of sorrows He has done generous by these yeah poor little lambs that he loved and sheltered and that's left fatherless and motherless Yes, and we that knowed him knows that he would a done more generous by him if he hadn't been afeared a woundin his dear William and me. Now wouldn't he? There ain't no question bout it in my mind. Well, then, what kind of brothers would it be that'd stand in his way at sich a time? and what kind of uncles would it be that it rob yes rob such poor sweet lambs as these that he loves so at such a time if i know william and i think i do he well i'll just ask him he turns around and begins to make a lot of signs to the duke with his hands and the duke he looks at him stupid and leather-headed a while then all of a sudden he seems to catch his meaning and jumps for the king, goo-gooing with all his might for joy, and hugs him about fifteen times before he lets up. Then the king says, I knowed it. I reckon that'll convince anybody the way he feels about it. Here, Mary Jane, Susan, Joanna, take the money, take it all. It's a gift of him that lays yonder cold but joyful mary jane she went for him susan and the hare lip went for the duke and then such another hugging and kissing i never see yet and everybody crowded up with tears in their eyes and most shook the hands off of them frauds saying all the time you dear good souls how lovely how could you well then, pretty soon all hands got to talking about the deceased again and how good he was and what a loss he was and all that, and before long, big on-jawed man worked himself in there from outside, and stood a listening and looking and not saying anything, but nobody saying anything to him either because the king was talking and they was all busy listening. The king was saying in the middle of something he'd started in on. They being particular friends of the that deceased. That's why they're invited here this evening, but tomorrow we want all to come, everybody, for he respected everybody, he liked everybody, and so it's fittin' that his funeral orgies should be public. And so he went a moonin' on and on, likin' to hear himself talk, and every little while he fetched in his funeral orgies again, till the Duke he couldn't stand it no more. So he writes on a little scrap of paper Obsequies you old fool And folds it up and goes to goo And reaching it over people's heads to him The king he reads it and puts it in his pocket and says Poor William afflicted as he is His heart's all is right Ask me to invite everybody to come to the funeral Wants me to make em all welcome But he needn't a word It was just what I was at then he weaves along again perfectly calm and goes to dropping in his funeral orgies again every now and then just like he done before and When he done it the third time he says I Say orgies not because it's the common term because it ain't Obsequies being the common term, but because orgies is the right term Obsequies ain't used in England no more now. It's gone out. We say orgies now in England Orgies is better because it means the thing you're after more exact. It's a word that's made up out in the Greek orgo, outside, open, abroad, and the Hebrew gesum, to plant, cover up, hence inter. So you see, funeral orgies is an open, er, public funeral. He was the worst I ever struck. Well, the iron jawed man, he laughed right in his face. Everybody was shocked. Everybody says, "Why, doctor?" And Abner Shackleford says, "Why, Robinson, hain't you heard the news? This is Harvey Wilkes the King." He smiled, eager, and shoves out his flapper and says, "Is it my poor brother's dear, good friend and physician?" "I keep your hands off of me," says the doctor. "You talk like an Englishman, don't you?" It's the worst imitation. I ever heard you Peter Wilkes's brother. You're a fraud. That's what you are Well how they took on They crowded around the doctor and tried to quiet him down Tried to explain to him and tell him how Harvey showed in 40 ways that he was Harvey and knowed everybody by name and the names of the very dogs and begged and Begged him not to hurt Harvey's feelings and the poor girl's feelings and all that But it war not no use He stormed right along and said any man that pretended to be an Englishman and couldn't imitate the lingo No better than what he did was a fraud and a liar The poor girls was hanging to the king and crying and all of a sudden the doctor ups and turns on them he says I was your father's friend and I'm your friend and I warn you as a friend and an honest one that wants to protect you and Keep you out of harm and trouble to turn your backs on that Scoundrel and have nothing to do with him the ignorant tramp with his idiotic Greek and Hebrew as he calls it He is the thinnest kind of impostor, has come here with a lot of empty names and facts which he picked up somewheres and You take them as proofs and are helped to fool yourself by these foolish friends here who ought to know better Mary Jane Wilkes, you know me for your friend and for your unselfish friend, too Now listen to me turn this pitiful Rascal out. I beg you to do it. Will you? Mary Jane straightened herself up and my but she was handsome. She says here is my answer she hove up the bag of money and put it in the king's hands and says take this six thousand dollars and invest for me and my sisters any way you want to and don't give us no receipt for it then she put her arm around the king on one side and susan and the hair lip done the same on the other everybody clapped their hands and stomped on the floor like a perfect storm whilst the king held up his head and smiled proud the doctor says all right i wash my hands of the matter but i warn you all that a time's a coming when you're gonna feel sick whenever you think of this day and away he went all right doctor says the king kinder mocking him we'll try and get him to send for you which made them all laugh and they said it was a prime good hit End of chapter 25